Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Oh, Wolf Hope chasing with five pounds. Inside, and a bio, and a foul. What a pass and finish. The lead is 10 and a chance for a three-point play. Murray looking. Out of bio on him to Jokic. Vincent all over him. Jokic layup shot, rolled around and dropped through. A win tonight, and they would be up four and a half. Here's a 2-1 pitch. And that's out to right field. Garcia started in. Now backpedals a step, makes the catch. Inning is over. And the Rangers have won five in a row, their longest winning streak of the season. Well, it's become old hat, it seems, these days. Six, four, Rangers win. A chance for a sweep tomorrow at 40 and 20. The best 60-game record in franchise history. Here's the pitch. And he slugs this one to left center field and deep. Going back on it, Myers looks up and it's gone. Two rows deep over the high wall in left center. And the Blue Jays get their first lead of the series. Springer's ninth. Just the fifth home run given up by Hunter Brown this year. So that's why he's gone to the zone. Zones have an advantage up top to Aiton. Time to eat. And there you go. There's no way they can guard the Suns with three potential seven-footers out there on the floor. What value do you see DeAndre Ayton bringing to the team, and how do you feel like you can unlock his full, full potential? Yeah, well, I think he can be one of the best centers in the league. You know, and I think he's shown that at, at times throughout his career. You know, he can be a big-time deterrent. But I'm intent on, uh, on really connecting with him and, you know, restoring him to, uh, to an all-star level player. Ruiz got him with heat, 97 up and away. And Moreno hangs on to the final tip. Comes with that fastball, 97 up in the strike zone. Ball just kind of tailing away from the lefty Dickerson. Two and two. And it's lifted high in the air. Right field, Judge angling back, still going back near the warning track. Judge reaches up. He makes the grab. The bullpen door is open. Judge slammed into the wall, but he held on to the ball. A miraculous catch by Aaron Judge. Back to first base goes Muncie. There is one away after a brilliant catch by the Yankee right fielder. And Aaron Boone and the training staff are going to come out to see if Judge is okay and right. The injury that he's had to come back from, just the fact that he's on the field again and, and playing at the level that he is. Second down nine, Brock Purdy. Batted down. Young got a hand on it. Swats it away. So already he is making his presence felt. And comes up with a big play right there. Third and nine coming up. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Wednesday, June 7th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD 2100.7, the finals, game three, who you got tonight, either ATS or straight up, the AL West, who wins it? The Suns 
In case you missed it earlier this week, do you approve of new head coach Frank Vogel? The, uh, the Diamondbacks, what or who, stood out on Tuesday night. Aaron Judge, is he your favorite MLB player to watch? And Chase Young, how about a team that would be a good trade fit for him? Plus, anything else that caught your eye since our last show? Certainly encourage discussion today and every day. All right, here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments with the introduction of today's pipeline, 9.15, we'll have a Miami Heat update heading into tonight's Game 3. Clay Ferraro joined us from TV 10 in Miami. 9.30, interactive action at 602-260-1060. And also the local roundup. That will include a little more on the Diamondbacks from last night, a little more on the Suns and the Frank Vogel uh, DeAndre Ayton thing, which I'll get to in a minute here. Also in the final segment of the Sports Zone will be the National Roundup. That will be topped by the latest line and from the scoreboard. Then after the Sports Zone from 10 to noon, of course, it's the Extra Point, hosted by Kayla. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is, who you got in Game 3? Heat plus 2.5 for the Nuggets minus 2.5. And And Kayla has the early returns. Uh, Early returns. Nuggets minus 2.5 at 67% of the vote. Heat plus 2.5 at 33%. The Nuggets have won their last three road playoff games, Game 6 against the Suns and Games 3 and 4 against the Lakers. The Heat have lost their last two home playoff games. Of course, that was against the Celtics. In addition to the poll question, how about some witty analysis to back up your answer? Today's Twitter poll question, who wins the American League West, the defending World Series champion Astros or the currently in first place Rangers? And uh, Kayla, what do we have here? Uh, Rangers, 73.3% of the vote. Astros, 26.7%. This is on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. The Rangers, with last night's 6-4 victory over the Cardinals, have a season-high five games in a row now that they've won. I was actually surprised they hadn't won more than that. Uh, they've been you know, roughly, I think they're 40-20 and 20, uh, to begin the season. Uh, but uh, they've only won, that's a, the most they've won all year in a row is five straight. And also, they have a four-game lead in the American League West now. That's their biggest edge over the Astros this season. Jacob deGrom, unfortunately, heading for Tommy John surgery again. Uh, The Rangers announced his prognosis on Tuesday. How does losing Jacob deGrom alter your opinion of the 2023 Rangers? Meanwhile, on the local front, the Suns introduced Frank Vogel, the new head coach among many things, praised DeAndre Ayton, saying I think he can be one of the best centers in the league, among, like I said, other things. Uh, So one last chance, at least for now. Uh, Do you approve of the Suns' new head coach, Frank Vogel? The Diamondbacks' roster depth was certainly uh, in play last night. Uh, The offense scored 10 runs and stole four bases. The bullpen pitched four and two-thirds innings of scoreless ball to overcome Tommy Henry's awful first inning. What or who stood out in the Diamondbacks' 10-5 victory over the Nationals? 
Meanwhile, spanning the globe, Aaron Judge back on the injured list. He was diagnosed with a bruise and a sprain of the ligament in his right uh, big right toe, or right big toe, depending on your viewpoint there, I guess. Uh, the Yankees did not disclose how long he might be sidelined, even though Aaron uh, Boone did say weeks and then changed it to days uh, quickly. Uh, so I don't know if that's a tip-off or just a you know, mistake. Meanwhile, Aaron Judge, is he your favorite MLB player to watch? Chase Young might be on the move. The commanders are listing to offers uh, after, uh, you know, he certainly, you remember earlier this offseason, dec- you know, they declined his fifth-year option on his rookie contract. So tell me at least one team that would be a good fit uh, for pass rusher Chase Young. Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? That's the pipeline for today with all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it is from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey will have a news update. That'll be filed by Heat Nuggets Game 3 Preview. And lots of you know, heat discussion. How did it get to this point? Uh, Clay Ferraro at TV10 in Miami scheduled to join us. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, phone call time. General discussion, 602-260-1060. Plus, we'll get to some local roundup. Uh, the plan for me is a little Suns, a little Diamondbacks, and maybe if we have some time, even a little ASU football history uh, during the local roundup today. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KTUS 1060 app. Interesting timing here with uh, the uh, rejoiner music. A little mainline Florida here uh, by Eric Clapton back in the early 70s. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. You're home to the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. All right, the NBA Finals continue tonight, Game 3 at Miami. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined in the Sports Zone by Clay Ferraro of TV10 in Miami. And Clay, good to have you on the show. The Heat obviously bounced back in Game 2. Uh, they handed Denver uh, its first home loss of the postseason. Michael Malone placed uh, the blame on uh, his team's effort, but the Heat did make 17 of 35 threes. Uh, so for you, what was the biggest reason the Heat won game two? Uh, make or miss league, right? I mean, you hit the, the open yeah. looks that you missed in, in game one. And, you know, I felt like 
in game one, there were plenty of opportunities as well. And I know there was the, the narrative coming out of that that, um, you know, Denver looked like the superior team, and, and I get all that. And yet, I think if you follow the Heat enough, we, we've heard this every single series. Oh, the other team is doing this wrong. Um, and and it's not really a an inferiority complex sort of thing, because if we're being honest, None of us saw this coming either. Nobody down here outside of the, the building on Biscayne Boulevard expected this team to be in the NBA Finals. And yet, if you follow this team through every series, the same thing is said in, in some form or fashion over and over again. It's, oh, Milwaukee didn't do this. Oh, New York needs to do this. Oh, Boston needs to do So at a certain point, it's like, oh, I don't know. Maybe they're just hitting the shots that they missed all year, and uh, there's a chance this ride continues. But they were a good three-point shooting team last year. They might have even been number one in the NBA. So they, they, the same guys, for the most part, have made those shots before. I'll get to Jimmy Butler, I swear, soon here. But I want to start with Bam Adebayo as far as the individuals go. What has impressed you most about Bam during his time with the Heat? The fact that he impacts winning no matter what his stat line says. And, you know, I, I, I'll say this about him, the same thing I said about Chris Bosh. Because uh, I got here towards the end of the big three run, he helps me learn more about basketball. And you know, when you watched Chris Bosh, it was the underappreciated stuff, the switching, the ability c- to contest as a big man. And you watch Bam Adebayo, and I remember his first, second year in the league. Some of the stuff that would happen when he would get switched off onto the best perimeter offensive players in the league. I mean, you, you would see him one on one against Steph Curry. And, and shutting him down, you know, obviously not for long stretches, but somebody that size isn't supposed to do that. So even when he's not scoring, he's finding a way to impact the game in, in a massive way, whether it's passing, he's a phenomenal defender, can guard one through five. You know, you're not going to want him to, uh, although in this series he probably has to, kind of lean on Nikola Jokic. He's done a, a great job of at least making things somewhat difficult on him. But then he comes down on the other end, and, and he's essentially playing the role of point center. That's uh, what John Calipari kind of uh, kind of dubbed it. And it's just amazing to see game in and game out, people who maybe just look at the stat lines don't understand the way he impacts the game. But, I mean, he's, he's phenomenal. and Just a great dude, great team guy, and, and everything you would want. Eric Spolster wouldn't say that the strategy was make Jokic a scorer. What's the Heat's best way to try to you know limit uh, Jokic to so you know limit in quotes here? <laughs> hey, well, what's funny is you know I mentioned learning more about about the game, and and I think what he said was was actually accurate. And if you go back and and I like to, to listen to people like you know Steve Jones and and Nikias Duncan and people who kind of break down the X's and O's stuff in ways that I could never understand it. But basically saying what the Heat did is just throw a variety of looks at him and them. Because you're not just trying to shut down Nikola Jokic. You're trying to find a way to disrupt the cuts, disrupt uh, the, the passing lanes. And it's not just a matter of Jokic making the right read. It's a matter of his teammates making the right read as well. And if you're throwing different things at them over and over again, you know, everybody said, and I was in this group, that, oh, you can't play zone against them. Well, guess what? Fourth quarter, they played a bit more zone. They did it a little bit differently, and it threw off what Denver was doing. So I think it's it's a matter of you throw enough curveballs, you throw enough change-ups to just try to disrupt that offense a little bit. 
so it's not just about how you attack Jokic. It's, okay, how, how are we going to make them just a little bit, maybe a half second late when they cut, maybe uh, uh, three feet off of where they're supposed to be on the three-point line because they think you're in a certain coverage and, and you're in a different coverage. I, I, honestly, I think Denver flat out admitted that, that, that the Heat throw certain actions, certain coverages offensively and defensively that other teams don't do. And so it's a matter of over the next five games, will Denver adjust enough to that and figure it out? They certainly have the talent, um, but it's going to be a real fun chess match to watch over the next few games. Clay Ferrer of TB10 in Miami, currently in the sports zone. On to Jimmy Butler. Uh, He didn't have a scoring explosion on Sunday night, but his defense on Jamal Murray I think was a big reason for the Heat win. What stands out? to somebody who sees Butler from like the first day of training camp to now the NBA finals, just an insane maniacal competitor. And, and just the way that, and they say this all the time, the Miami heat do we're not for everybody. Well, I think we've seen in Jimmy Butler's different stops. He's not for everybody, but something that Dwayne Wade said uh, before Jimmy Butler came here, I thought really rang true because the two of them are great friends. He said, Jimmy Butler is crazy. But Eric Spolster is also crazy. Pat Riley is also crazy. And they're crazies mixed. And I think that's the thing with this group is, you know, you hear a lot about the heat culture thing. Heat culture is not like people show up in the building and like magically you transform into someone or, or something that you're not. What they do first and foremost is they go out and they, they try to find people who are competitors. And so when they get in the building and you have people who are, are barking at you and cursing at you can you take it the right way? Can you use that to, to be motivated and become the best version of yourself? And so I think with Jimmy Butler, it was okay. You know, when he was in Minnesota and Philadelphia, I think he felt like, and he said this, that he couldn't necessarily always be himself there. Maybe people took it the wrong way. I think here he's, he's with a group of like-minded people. And all you have to do is go back to last year when he and Eric Spolstra nearly came to blows during the middle of a game. I mean, they're screaming at each other. Walking mm. out to half court, Udonis Haslam is having to separate them. But, you know, everybody's – it's a family. You know, I mean, it's like you yell at your brother. And, and I think there is a, a willingness with everybody, and this starts with Jimmy Butler, to kind of remove your ego as far as if somebody is going to yell at you and tell you something for the sake of competition. You, you're all pulling in the same direction, and you want to win. And I think, you know, you can look at the 56 points and, and all the stuff that he's done, but I think more than anything else – he kind of sets the standard for competitiveness in that in that locker room, and everybody else follows too. From afar, it seemed that Jimmy might be running on fumes after the historic or during the historic Eastern Conference playoff run. Tonight's just the Heat's fourth game since May 29th. Is he uh, you know, refueled, so to speak? I, I think the ankle's an issue. I really do. And, you know, you go back, he got hurt in game one of the Knicks series, and it was a really, really ugly-looking ankle injury. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, he came back, and yet he didn't look himself in the rest of that series. He he looked better in game one against Boston. Game two, he was a non-factor offensively until Grant Williams got in his face in the fourth quarter. And honestly, beyond that, you haven't seen the same level of explosion. You haven't seen the, the touch around the rim. So I think it's fair to speculate, even though he would never tell you this, that the ankle is limiting him somewhat. And yet it's limiting him more as far as his explosiveness near the basket and, and his ability to get the, the lift on the jump shot. 
it's not impacting him as much defensively. So you, you mentioned at the outset the defense that he played on Jamal Murray, that's where he's still able to, to dictate the terms of the game. That, cutting into passing lanes and making things difficult. Offensively, you know, he and Bam both command so much attention, Bam just as much for his, his passing and the dribble handoffs and stuff like that. Jimmy, like, you have to know where he is regardless. So I think what he's done really well the first couple of games, and in particular in game two, was, okay, when they're throwing a lot of attention my way, and, you know, when KCP is, is lagging off of, of Gabe Vincent or Max Struess in the corner, I can kick it over there. So he can still make the right basketball play, but I think absolutely the explosion is not there. And honestly, I don't know if it's going to return between now and the NBA Finals. They're just going to have to find a way to, to win without it. Spolster uh, seems, uh, you know, sometimes even like offended when the media b- brings up the undrafted players that are key contributors here. So instead of you know asking you know, you know about the undrafted players, how how has the Heat player development plan been so effective? Well, I, look, I, I understand where Spolster is coming from on that, but I also I also think. Uh, me like covering it and and coming in you know like I said I came here about 10 years ago but you know you can still come in with kind of an outside view of it it is cool and it is a cool lesson to I think from a national perspective people bring it up because it's like so unique so I, I understand what Spo was saying where it's disrespectful to the players to keep bringing it up but if you're just introducing the world to this team and they don't have a LeBron James. They don't have a Steph Curry. Jimmy Butler is certainly getting uh, more and more known, and, and Bam Adebayo maybe one day will, will get the type of recognition that, that we feel he deserves. But you know, if you hear the, hear the name Gabe Vincent and, and Caleb Martin, and like, these guys have really cool stories, but, but the origin story of it all is they weren't drafted. And, and to me, I think it's okay to start with that. To your question about the, uh, the development, honestly, I, I'll go back to what I said earlier. I think it's about finding the right kind of people first, the people that when you get them in the building, and I don't even know how, like if there's, if there's like a, uh, uh, what do you call it, a wonderlick or a, uh, you know, what's, what's the new, the, the new test they give NFL quarterbacks at the draft. It's like the new, I don't yeah. know what it is. How do you find these, these people like, like Caleb Martin, Duncan Robinson, Gabe Vincent, Max Strews uh, on down the line that when they get in the building, they're just going to have that maniacal competitive mindset to where, they're going to want to be in the gym for five hours after practice ends and do everything possible to, to make themselves better. So, you, look, I, I don't think the Heat have reinvented the wheel as far as development and stuff like that. What I think they've done so well is target people who are, are not just willing, but like craving the type of teaching and, and coaching that, that goes along with, with joining this organization. And then they give them the resources to make the most of, of all of it and become the best version of themselves. Talking Heat with Clay Ferraro, TV 10 in Miami. Uh, more Spolster, who certainly seems to get the most out of his roster. Why is he such a good coach? I think there's a something that goes along with being there for a long time, being able to speak the same language, and um, you know, I think also having players who buy in. I think all of that is a big part of it. But I do think, like, you have to give him credit. There's nobody who works harder. There's nobody – like, his recall with certain things, and uh, uh, people were talking about this after game two, where, like, he can just randomly at the beginning of the fourth quarter of, a, of the NBA Finals in game two, when you're down by eight, you can just recall an action that worked with Gabe Vincent and Duncan Robinson 
put those guys out there on the floor at the beginning of the fourth quarter and said, okay, we're down by eight. But you know what? You two are going to lead this comeback at the beginning of the fourth quarter because I'm sure Denver wasn't even looking at this on film. And they're not going to know quite what to do. And so his ability and his confidence and his players to kind of recall those moments from the past, it's, it's stuff like that that it's not just a schematic thing. It also instills a level of confidence in those guys that, hey, no matter what's happened, the Duncan Robinson is a perfect example of a guy who was out of the rotation. He was not playing at all. But then you bring him back in the, uh, the NBA playoffs for this, this crazy ride, and all of a sudden his career is revived. It's that kind of confidence in your guys, and they look at you and they say, okay, well, if this great coach has that kind of confidence in me, then, yeah, maybe I can go out there and score 10 points in you know, two minutes and mean mug for the camera in the fourth quarter of the NBA Finals like, like Robinson did. I, I just think it all kind of flows together. Yeah, prior to the last couple of seasons, I wondered some if Spolster was writing on the advice of Pat Riley. How much input does Riley still have on a daily, like, strategical basis? Well, they talk every day. Um, and, you know, from from our understanding, they get into the same sort of heated conversations that, that Jimmy Butler and Spoke get into. But it's all done in, in the right sort of way where they come out and, and Spoke – like, don't mistake that. The, the the level of respect and reverence that Spo has for Pat Riley is is enormous. And yet, when you know LeBron James and and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh reportedly went up to Pat Riley's office the first year together, uh, and and were kind of hinting, hey, so do you want to come out of retirement and coach again? And and Riley said, <laughs> nope, Spo's your coach. Like, it's that sort of confidence that he's instilled in Spo that Spo can come right back at him and say, now, nah, you know what? Your old school way of, of playing a bunch of big guys together, that doesn't work anymore. So let me do my thing. <laughs> We're going to go out there and play positionless. And it's hard to argue with the results at this point. So, I, yes, there is still a lot of consultation literally every day. Um, and, and yet I would say it's, it's safe to say that it is Spo's team on the floor like Riley certainly helps put it all together Andy Ellisberg is phenomenal their their front office is great and yet on the floor it's it's Spoh's show and and what he says goes ultimately Tyler Hero remains out with the broken hand uh, what do they miss most without him and how has the offensive uh, emphasis changed during his absence so it, it, specific to this series, what they're missing is having another pull-up guy against Denver's drop coverage. You know, if, if you have, uh, if you're playing against Boston, for example, when they're switching everything and they're not playing quite as much drop, I don't think you miss Hero as much. It's more important to have the ball rotation, the movement, spot-up shooters, and, and all of that. What he would bring if and when he does come back, and we have to admit, like, he has to be 100% healthy. You can't just throw a a 70% healthy Tyler Hero back into the mix in the NBA Finals. It's just the game's moving too fast, and he's going to get isolated on guys. You have to pick your spot. But it's it's when things get in the mud a little bit, and they need somebody just kind of go on a personal 6-0 run to, to kind of give them either a little separation if they're winning or close the gap if they're down. Uh, that's, that's where you would need him. The other thing is, look, I, we talked about Jimmy Butler. His usage has just gone through the roof since Tyler Tyler Hero got hurt. Like as as great as Jimmy Butler is, 
there's only so much in the bag, right? And so if he's having to constantly go to the same moves over and over again, and I really think we saw this in the Boston series, that, you know, eventually Derek White and, and Grant Williams and uh, Jalen Brown kind of figured out some of the things he was trying to do. So there's going to be a point where Jimmy's going to need somebody else to come in and, and take over some of that some of that usage. And, again, that's where Tyler would come in if, if he's 100% healthy. What are a couple things we should look for tonight in Game 3? Shooting. Uh, you know, it's, it's really that simple. And, look, it's, you can certainly, if you're Denver, point to, okay, we left guys wide open here. We can clean this up. We can clean that up. Miami has to find a way, even, even when Denver plays really tight coverage, they have to hit those shots or they have to find the right slips, the right cuts, things like that. And I'm speaking more from an offensive perspective because I think if you look back in the home games in particular for Miami, and I'm, I'm thinking mostly about game three of the Boston series, even though they lost the next two at home, it, very early on they come out and they set the tone. And it was Kevin Love hitting a few big shots early, uh, then Max Strews and you know, the, the old saying, the old adage, role players play better at home, stars have to carry you on the road. I'm looking tonight to see early on, does Caleb Martin get back into a, a rhythm? And I think it's pretty clear that, that his illness was really impacting him in game two. Jared Greenberg said he was sitting there at, the, at his locker with, his, with a towel over his head and he was getting chills and had migraines. They need, they need a performance from him similar to what we saw in the Boston series. Or they need Gabe Vincent to keep doing what he's done. Or... They need, Max, they need two of the other guys, I think, to have big games in addition to Jimmy and Bam. Uh, and, and they need to keep playing the same level of defense and, and throwing curveballs at, at Denver offensively and finding ways to you know, maybe just make Denver think a little bit because they're such a great offense. And everything is, when they're clicking, man, they're a well-oiled machine. you got to just find a way to throw them off their game just a touch, mess with their timing just a little bit, um, you know, and just find a way. And that's what they've done. Uh, 13 times so far, and, and if they do it three more times, I think it's probably the best underdog story in, in NBA history. Thanks, Clay. This has been great. We appreciate the time. Anytime, Bob. Take care. All right. Thank you very much, Clay Ferraro of TV10 in Miami. Good stuff from Clay, and uh, we might recruit him a little later, depending on how long this series goes. All right. Next segment, phone call time, 602-260-1060, and also... The local roundup, we'll get to a little bit from uh, the uh, press conference yesterday, introducing Frank Vogel as the Suns head coach. Also, uh, time pending, some Diamondbacks in the next segment, and maybe even a little ASU historical football. All that uh, upcoming at some strategical point, either in the next segment or during the, uh, during the extra point, hosted by Kayla, which, of course, is from 10 to noon. Right now, you're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castle Lux HD 2 100.7. Wall-to-wall NFL coverage and the biggest stories coming to you from 3 to 5 p.m. The Rich Eisen Show here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to KDUS AM 
back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSA AM 1060 and Castlelux HD2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time. If you want to jump aboard, we got time and room. Feel free to interrupt at any point, even though I'm going to be spectacular in this segment. 602-260-1060. I don't know why I have to advertise I'm going to be spectacular in this segment. Uh, we'll get to your phone calls shortly. And uh, also uh, and on to the uh, local roundup we go. And we start with the Suns. They introduced Frank Vogel on Tuesday. One thing that certainly stood out to me was his um, you know, talk about DeAndre Ayton. Um, you know, among other things, he said, I think he can be one of the best centers in the league. He continued to say, I think he's shown at times throughout his career uh, that he's done that. I'm intent on being really connected with him and, uh, you know, basically restoring him to an all-star level player. Uh, you know, for just contractual purposes, Aiden completed just the first year of his four-year $133 million deal. Remember, that was the offer sheet he signed with the Pacers and the Suns matched that quickly. He was a restricted free agent last summer. Uh, but also remember that the uh, Aiden's one-year no-trade clause was triggered by the contract. And that is, uh, you know, that that's, you know, something that... Uh, you know that that that, expi- that part of the contract actually expires in July, like next month. So we'll see what happens with him. Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks overcame a awful first inning from Tommy Henry uh, to win on the road uh, the road trip opener at Washington. That first inner, uh, inning, Henry walked three, allowed a grand slam to former Diamondback Stone Garrett, one of the great names in sports and human being history. Uh, going back to last Sunday, it was actually the second straight inning the Diamondbacks allowed a grand slam homer. Down going back to that first inning last night, uh, Henry 36 patch, pitches in that inning alone. Uh, he was done after four and third innings. He allowed five uh, five runs on five hits, including two home runs, plus three walks, struck out just two of the 22 hitters he faced. The Diamondbacks bullpen. Uh, was really kind of the uh, unsung or maybe not even unsung. He would, They were the heroes. Uh, you know, winning pitcher Jose Ruiz, Scott McGuff, Kyle Nelson, and Kevin Ginkle. Uh, they pitched four scoreless innings, zero runs, obviously. Four hits and two walks in those four and two-thirds innings. The Diamondbacks' offense delivered. They were 9 of 15 with runners in scoring position. And, uh, you know, the... Uh, and, and they also, the running game certainly uh, was there again. Four more stolen bases last night. On the other side, Washington pitchers certainly helped. Uh, you know, they allowed nine runs on, to, earned runs on 12 hits, and they also had you know, you know, eight walks in the game. That's a lot of base runners. Meanwhile, personnel news, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. unavailable again because of a groin injury. Uh, in his last eight games, last eight, eight road games, he's especially been you know, dynamite. Uh, 333. Uh, he's 11, 12 for 34 in that stretch. He has an uh, you know 1100 OPS over that stretch also on the road. Three doubles, three homers, six runs batted in. The bottom line, the Diamondbacks have won three out of four games this season against the Nationals. Seven of nine going back to last season. The Diamondbacks last year split a four-game series at Washington. Actually, that's happened the last three years. They've had four-game series, and they split those at Washington in 2022, 
21 and also the uh, 19, uh, you see the 2019 season, you know, the 20 was the, the uh, abbreviated campaign and they didn't play anybody outside the division. Meanwhile, it's a little random stuff since June, uh, excuse me, May, actually since May the 12th, uh, the Diamondbacks 16 and 7. Uh, that's the third best record in baseball behind only the Rangers and the Astros, who we are so impressed with. I put them in a poll question today. Up next, game two of the three-game series in Washington. Zach Davies, uh, one and one with a 540-yard run average, um, goes against former Diamondback Patrick Corbin. Uh, Corbin is a four and five with a 492 earned run average. He's actually had some pretty good moments here lately. Corbin has. Meanwhile, Davies has been really good in this career against Washington. Four and zero with a 297 or a run average. He's allowed only two home runs in 36 career innings against Washington over six career starts. And uh, that uh, last year he pitched against them one time and he allowed two earned runs in five innings and in what was a Diamondbacks victory. So, the Diamondbacks win. The Dodgers blew a big lead last night and lost at Cincinnati. More on that in the next segment, time pending. So, the Diamondbacks now 30-25, uh, and 25, and the Dodgers 35-26. and 26. Uh, the, you know, I guess I, I, we conclude the, you know, might as well do the rest of the standings here. San Francisco now 30-30. and 30. San Diego loses again last night. They are 28-33. and 33. Or I feel they might have come back and won that game. I fell asleep during that game. I'm not sure. They were they were behind <laughs> at one point. Uh, but they're you know, actually uh, the, the standings here. I don't have the win streak thing. I'll uh, double check that. Uh, but I did fall asleep during that game, which was nothing against the game. It was just I was really tired. And Colorado 29 and 36 for this season. Also in the local roundup, the Cardinals announced uh, the re-signing on Tuesday of Aaron Brewer. He's played 98 regular season games for Arizona over the last seven seasons. And long snapper. Okay. Uh, you know, we don't talk about that much. And we have rarely talked about Brewer during his time with the with the Cardinals. Uh, during his Cardinals career, I think the only – it's a good thing we haven't talked about him much. About the only time we've even mentioned him when he was out because of injury a couple years ago – and the Cardinals definitely had some long snapping issues, so he's been really good. Meanwhile, three former Sun Devils are among the 2024 College Football Hall of Fame candidates, uh, Terrell Suggs, Luis Zendejas, and also former coach Daryl Rogers. To me, it would be a joke, quite frankly, if Daryl Rogers won the College Football Hall of Fame because he got put on – he got three different schools put on probation during his college football career – but that doesn't stop people from making Hall of Fames in other sports either. There are 78 players and nine coaches from the football sub uh, bowl subdivision and 101 players and 32 coaches uh, from the divisional ranks that are in this year's candidates to become in the, you know, members of the, uh, of the College Football Hall of Fame. All right, coming up next, we'll have a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's show with the National Roundup top by the latest line and from the scoreboard uh we'll get to uh you know a few other who knows what i get to in the next segment it's kind of a hit or miss proposition some things that i don't get to in the next segment we will definitely cover during the extra point hosted by kayla in the next two hours from 10 to noon that will include a pga tour update and the tour a little different now than it was 
like 30 hours ago. And uh, Kayla was uh, doing her corporate duties on Tuesday and not on these airways. But uh, we're going to give her plenty of time to discuss the ramifications as to what happened officially yesterday with the PGA merging, quote unquote, with the Live Tour. You're listening to Sports with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD2 100.7. Bringing you the latest sports topics weekly right here on KDUS AM 1060 with me, the Doug Gottlieb Show, 1 to 3 p.m. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castle Lux HD 2 100.7. Uh, we talked about the uh, game, game three. Heat and uh, Nuggets, and uh, the Nuggets are two-and-a-half-point favorites uh, tonight pretty much everywhere, if not everywhere. In fact, I don't see any place that it's not right now. I've got like 15 books here with the access to their numbers, offshore, onshore, between shores, and two-and-a-half everywhere that I at least see posted here. Total sitting at 214-and-a-half. Meanwhile, Heat wing player Tyra Hero remains sidelined with a broken hand. He's been out since the first game of the postseason. Eric Spolstra did say on Tuesday the hero will miss at least one more game. From the MLB scoreboard from yesterday, the Braves continued their home field dominance against the Mets. Orlando Arcia, we should have mentioned him. I should have mentioned him when we talked about the Braves last week, but I did not specifically bring him up. But he's been really important for the Braves so far this season. Uh, and he's played, uh, he was on the IL for a little while, but when he's played, he's been great on defense, not surprising. He's also had some very timely hits, including last night, when he got a go-ahead hit to give uh, the Braves the lead. Obviously, a go-ahead hit gives them the lead. They do the uh, four-run four six inning that turned the game around. Uh, and also, uh, Elder uh, came off his worst outing this season. And uh, was really good for the Braves as a starting pitcher. And once again, the Braves starting pitching is a kind of a mess uh, because of injuries. But uh, he's amongst others stepped up, and you know they're still in first place in the uh, in the uh, in the division. Meanwhile, the Mets are now 30 and 31 after losing four in a row. That's a season high losing streak for them. Today or tonight, it's Max Scherzer. Uh, against Charlie Morton, a couple of old timers. I believe Morton's 37 or 38, and Scherzer's like 40. Uh, so we'll see how how this goes. And they've both been uh, good lately. Uh, Morton uh, this year, uh, also in his career, he's he's had plenty of starts, obviously against the Mets. But he has a 480-82 earned run average against the Mets. Lost earlier this season to the Mets. Meanwhile, the Marlins, Luis Urias is now still, he's hitting above 400. Uh, this is the latest that anybody's hit over 500 since Chipper Jones, or 400, excuse me, since uh, Chipper Jones in 2001. Urias uh, went two for four against uh, the Royals on Tuesday, raising his batting average to four on one. He's hitting 577 in his last seven games. He has 130 multi-hit games. And 142 career strikeouts, which is an insane uh, you know, kind of ratio. 70 points higher than the runner-up right now in the National League. That's Freddie Freeman as far as hitting goes. 
Uh, also, he has this year 26 multi-hit games and zero two strikeout games. Meanwhile, the future arrived on Tuesday for the Cincinnati Reds. Ella De La Cruz, baseball's previous top remaining prospect that's expected to play this season. Uh, he made his debut last night. He's wearing number 44. That's Eric Davis's old number for your old-time Reds fans. He hit cleanup, played third base, and the Reds had the 98 comeback victory over the Dodgers. De La Cruz in his first game had a hit, which was a rocket, uh, double to the outfield wall. Also had two hits and scored a run in uh, his three official at-bats. Uh, today, the Reds, they, they should win again today because Noah Syndergaard is still on the Dodgers rotation, and he's pitching tonight. He's 1-4 with a 6.54 run average. And you likely think that he's going to get shelled in the Great American Small Park. Uh, so uh, I'm certainly not liking the Reds' chances uh, of losing today. The Dodgers' chances of winning seem to be slim because Syndergaard's the starting pitcher. Also, I would expect the Dodgers, though, to score plenty of runs uh, because Brandon Williamson goes to the mound for the Reds, and he's not exactly uh, been impressive so far. 409 earned run average since he came up a couple weeks ago from the minor leagues. Uh, one game currently underway. Pittsburgh got five, excuse me, Oakland has five runs in the top of the first inning. And I believe right now they have the bases loaded still. And uh, Roni Contreras did not make it through the first inning against Oakland. So Oakland up 5-0. Uh, Contreras already out of the game. He was a one, and he and Pittsburgh were 175 favorites when this game started. One other day game today. At 1 o'clock our time, San Diego, which did lose last night to Seattle. I remember I fell asleep during that game. I double-checked. Seattle did win that game last night. Tonight, it's this afternoon, excuse me, at 1 o'clock, it's Kirby against Michael Walker, who's been really good so far for the Padres. And the Padres, a slight favorite in that contest today. All right, next two hours will be the Extra Point, hosted by Kayla. More phone call time, also 602-260-1060. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening.